Welcome to the next episode of our podcast on negotiation. And today we have a special, very special guest and a very special topic because we are going to be uh, talking about martial arts and conflict resolution. Uh, me, myself, when I, uh, when I grew up, when I was growing up uh, I, uh, uh, in, uh, in communist Poland, uh, we, I was deeply influenced by the Hong Kong martial arts movies with Bruce Lee, who will, I'm sure, invoke more than once uh, uh, here. But uh, that's about as much exposure as I have to martial arts. Therefore, we have a very special guest, Professor Joel Lee, with us, uh, who is a negotiation professor and a pioneer of negotiation and mediation in education and practice in Singapore, who is a negotiation professor at National University of Singapore and has over 30 years of experience in practicing and teaching martial arts. Joel, thank you for being with us. Uh, would you like to say a few words about yourself? Uh, Remy, thank you very much for that kind introduction. Uh, thank you for inviting me uh, to talk. Uh, as I indicated to you uh, earlier, this is a topic that close, very near and dear to my heart. Uh, I think your biggest challenge is getting me to shut up. But uh, very happy to be here. Thank you so much for, uh, for your time. Thank you, Joel, so much uh, for being with us uh, today. And uh, let's start with your interest in martial arts. Uh, so, where you? Uh, how did it? How did it all start for you? Uh, uh, did you also watch the the, the Bruce Lee movies, or uh, uh, did you? Uh, were you inspired by some colleagues, friends? How did your passion for martial arts start? Okay, so so we not we must now cue the origin story music, and then um, so so is it more. Well, uh, Historically, it's, 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 I, I'm your typical weak kid. When I was growing up in school, I was, you know, weak, weak skinny. I still am skinny. Uh, hopefully not so weak now. Um, and uh, But I grew up on a very uh, steady diet of uh, Bruce Lee movies, Kung Fu TV series from Hong Kong and, and, and all of that, right? I'm sure you're familiar with those. Um, and so my first opportunity to encounter martial arts was when I was serving in the military in Singapore. And uh, they, they were teaching, uh, you know, what, what, they, what they call uh, uh, unarmed combat. And, and, and that fascinated me. It was great because I get to fulfill these fantasies that growing up, I, I never had a chance, right? Uh, but, but after that, I, I got a chance to learn an art called Wing Chun, uh, first in Singapore. And then uh, subsequently, when I, I went to New Zealand to study law. And uh, that, that, that's been the art that I've, uh, I've stayed with. Uh, for the longest time, I mean, since for, since since 1987. So, so uh, it, it's been a while, and, uh, and and no regrets. I mean, it's it, it's been good. Yes, uh, that's it's been a long time, right? And this is not the only martial art, martial art, as I read about in your in your profile that you've practiced. Uh, you also did uh, Jeet Kune Do, uh, Kali Aikido, right? What, which one is your favorite, and what are the differences uh, between them? Because I, I can imagine that many of the many of the viewers uh, um, uh, might not have the depth and the expertise in these martial arts as you do. So why don't you share a few words about similarities and differences between the styles that you've been sure. exposed? To? Sure, sure. Uh, so I, I know I, I'm pretty sure that there are some people listening in who actually. Uh, martial artists, you know, who were very sort of interested in this. Actually, I, I, if my friend from Denmark, uh, Rolf, you're, you're listening to this, uh, shout out to you. Um, but uh, fun fundamentally, what, what I'm about to say is, is, is just generalizing very, very broad uh, generalizations about the martial arts. So, so uh, obviously, uh, experts in those respective arts will, will have, you know, more nuanced views. Um, but fundamentally, in the martial arts, uh, we 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 can we divide that in into a number of different categories. Uh, anything from what once one some would term the hard arts, uh, you know, more uh, more strenuous, uh, requiring a bit more strength, and on the other end of the spectrum, uh, softer arts, arts that that either use internal energy, for example, or uh, overcoming a force with with softness, right? So so there is firstly that continuum. Uh, then martial arts can also be classified into arts that involve uh, hands, uh, legs, uh, sometimes uh, the, the body, grappling, so on and so forth. So um, if we understand it between sort of those parameters, uh, Wing Chun, of course, is my favorite. It's, it's my, my first art. I've stuck with it for, for over 30 years, uh, and it's, it's my art of choice at this point in time. Uh, I, I run a school uh, that teaches Wing Chun. Um, and Wing Chun is, 
a lot of it is close quarters combat. Uh, we have kicks, but we we don't. It, it, the focus isn't on kicks. Uh, the close quarters will involve the hand, potentially uh, uh, trapping, occasionally sort of hovering and so on and so forth. The the idea in Wing Chun is uh, we 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 imagine that our opponent is always going to be larger and 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 and, and stronger than us, uh, and and most martial arts do to be to be honest. And and so so from our perspective, we I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know, fight strength to strength because I, I can't, I don't have the body size for that. Uh, I, I need to uh, use positioning, I use strategy, sensitivity, speed. Uh, a lot of these things, which in Wing Chun then gives me an advantage over just pure strength, right? Uh, and and that, that's that's the starting point where we're talking about Wing Chun. Uh, I explored some of the other arts because essentially there were similarities uh, between Wing Chun and those arts. So, for example, uh, you mentioned Bruce Lee a little bit earlier. Uh, many people uh, may not know that Bruce Lee's first martial art was Wing Chun, and uh, yeah, and 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 from Wing Chun, uh, he built on that with, along with other arts and created uh, essentially his martial art, his way, uh, and he called it uh, Jikundo, right? So, when I was living in France and I had an opportunity to to learn Jikundo, I went, why not? So I did. Uh, and 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 just got a taste uh, a, a little bit of what that was about. It wasn't my wasn't my goal to master it, but it was my goal to just get a sense, uh, to learn a little bit. Um, the the same was with Kali. Uh, the, the the notion Kali is a Filipino martial art. Uh, it involves uh, bare hand fighting with also with sticks, also with knives, and uh, but a lot of their movements uh, were were very complementary with Wing Chun. So I, I wanted to get a sense of, of, of how that fit together with, with my art. Um, and then finally, Aikido, uh, which uh, translated uh, means the way of harmonizing energy. And, and uh, you know, I, I wanted to study that for, for the softness, the, 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 the flowing with your, with your opponent, uh, as well as the locks and, and, and you know, the, the, the restraints that, that Aikido is, is quite well known for. So, so that's, that's, you know, in, in a sense, every every martial artist sort of goes through this this sort of search to try to figure out, hang on, how do I make my martial art more whole? Uh, and and some some sort of do a little bit of everything. Uh, I, I I kind of you know have settled on one art and and and, and sort of and just dipping into various places to get a better sense of my art, right? Uh, so so and that, that is fine. I mean, there's no right and wrong to that. It's just uh, you know my sense of 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 how my martial arts has developed over time. Thank you, Joel, for uh, this short introduction into uh, into your passion. I was uh, fascinating listening uh, listening to uh, uh, to it, and it's very clear. It's very very clear while listening uh, that it is your passion. Yes, uh, uh, you shine uh, when you talk about it, and that's uh, that's absolutely great. So let's maybe make the uh, let's let's try to transition and. Uh, uh, to, uh, to conflict resolution and, and negotiation, I, uh, you kindly shared a paper with me um, in which you describe, or a chapter in which you describe um, uh, the um, the connection between martial arts and uh, and conflict resolution, which I read with uh, with a lot of attention. Yes, uh, uh, and, and enjoy enjoyed it a lot. And you you, you make the, you make the following statement. May I read it uh, uh, out loud? It's you say, if one tries hard enough one can find parallels between two completely unrelated subjects. I love it. I love the distance that you display throughout this paper. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's typically, it's a sign of great intelligence and sense of humor. Um, but let You're me just this. <laughs> My <laughs> wife might disagree up. with that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So let me pick up on this and uh, and ask how long you had to look for uh, similarities between martial arts and conflict resolution, or were they just simply so obvious that they appeared to you um, immediately? I mean, not not long at all. I mean, if if, if you if if you sort of take into account that that uh, you know I had thirty years, or at that point in time, probably 20, 25 years in the martial arts, uh, and and essentially about the same amount of time uh, teaching. Uh, negotiation, practicing negotiation. Uh, you could say it took 25 years if you, if you want to think about it, right? Because I, I didn't start off by saying, oh, what, what the similarities are. Uh, but when it came to a particular point and then you sort of sat down and said, okay, what, what are the parallels? Um, it actually became very quickly uh, evident that there were quite a number of parallels. Uh, I mean, the parallels 
came in different forms. For example, uh, in, in terms of the philosophy, the definition philosophy, for example, or, or how we train, uh, or the notion of, notions of, of uh, uh, how, we, how we practice the, the, the art of either martial arts or negotiation. Uh, so there were a number of parallels that, that I went, oh, okay, that's interesting. And, and, and so one could inform the other, right, and, and, and vice versa. And, and one of the nice things uh, about it is actually on the realization that both those arts, martial arts and conflict resolution, is about managing, uh, avoiding, or stopping conflict, right? It's just what kind of how you define conflict, but, but it's fundamentally it is. So, so the most obvious parallel is just right there. Uh, but but then then a lot of people will say, well, that's where it will part, but actually not. There there, there are a lot a lot of similarities. Yes, um, and we are already getting the first questions. I notice on over uh, multiple channels now. So uh, to the audience, oh, cool. shout out to the audience. Uh, if you guys have uh, questions for Professor Joel Lee, um, uh, please let us know. Uh, write your comments, uh, send them over, and uh, we'll try to answer as many of them as uh, as we possibly can. So you talked. Uh, we we talked about similarities, uh, similarities and uh, and differences between uh, martial arts and conflict resolution. Um, could you uh, could you maybe walk us through the structure um, of those similarities uh, in terms of you know where to look for them and uh, um, how does one you know complement each other could com potentially complement each other very very well and what we can learn from uh, one and 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 the other. Okay. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go stream of consciousness. So there are a whole bunch of different things that may not necessarily link together. Uh, but, but I think really the starting point is, is um, uh, philosophy, uh, the, the, the notion of, of um, uh, what negotiation is trying to achieve and what, what conflict resolution is trying to achieve, or, or rather martial arts uh, is trying to achieve. Uh, so if, if we, we take a very very quick, uh, not just history, but language lesson, uh, uh, the, the, the Chinese term for martial arts uh, is wushu, right? Uh, and, and that literally means martial arts. But, but the interesting thing is that the Chinese character for, for martial uh, is actually made up of two separate words. Uh, one is actually uh, the word for spear, and the other one is the word for restrain or to stop. Right. So actually, when you put the word martial together, uh, literally, it's made up of two words that mean stopping the spear or restraining the spear. Or, and, and, and so while a lot of people think, you know, uh, learning martial arts is about kicking ass and, and all of that, uh, you know, and, and maybe if you watch enough Bruce Lee movies, that's what you think. And that's OK. Right. It's entertaining. It's good. Uh, but, but fundamentally, the, the, uh, the idea is to, to not fight. Right. So so. One of the parallels that I saw very quickly was that when somebody starts their journey, whether in negotiation or martial arts, actually they start on very similar footing, right? A lot of people, when they do negotiation, they start learning negotiation, they are usually concerned about two things. Number one is, is I'm afraid, how do I protect myself? Or how do I gain over the other person, right? It's, it's pretty much it. How do I take advantage, right? Uh, and, 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 and of course, that's not what I think negotiation is all about, but, but you know, a lot of people start that way, think that way. The same is in the martial arts, right? You take up a martial arts because, oh my God, I, I, I'm bullied a lot and I'm afraid, you know, and I want to protect myself. Or, you know, I, I want to go around learning to beat people up, right? Pretty much is, 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 is the thing. Uh, as, you, as you begin uh, learning both arts, and, and this is the track, uh, you begin to gain some insight into who you are. And, and so I often say to my students, learning negotiation, and I also say this to my martial arts students, learning Wing Chun, is about self-mastery. That as you, as you get further and further, as you get better and better, the, the person you're really fighting is not with someone external as yourself. You, you need to learn to master yourself. Uh, and whatever demons you might have within yourself, right? And I use the term demons very loosely, so so people, you know, it's not it's not like really devils, but but the, the demon within ourselves. Um, and so, for example, I'll give you a, a, a simple example. Um, if if for example, uh, we we are generally affected by by three things when we when we deal with the world. Number one is is how we see ourselves. Number two is how we see the world. And number three is how we feel, 
right? And, and if we put those in negotiation terms, it's, it's our identity, the, the identity conversations we have our, ourselves, our perceptions about the world, and, and our feelings, either about ourselves or in relation to the world, right? And, and that's common to both, both sort of uh, tracks, right? So, for example, if, if I was learning martial arts or negotiation, it doesn't matter, and I, I, I have a low self-esteem, I feel, I feel scared, I feel, you know, I feel unworthy, I might suffer from imposter syndrome, whatever it is. Right. And I talk to you, Remy, and I meet you for the very first time. Right. Okay. Uh, I, I will almost always approach you with some fear, some trepidation. Right. The amygdala, you know, what we call the amygdala will, 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 will kick in. Right. And, and so I might act in certain sorts of ways that will cause you to act in certain sorts of ways. Right. Okay. Uh, so in the martial arts, I might act in a way that, that indicates fear, which might then invite somebody else to, to, to sort of prey on, uh, be a predator on that, on, on that fear, right? And here's the other thing. Uh, I, I, even if you were friendly, even you were the nicest guy on the planet, Remy, because I'm afraid, because of my perception, my, what we call the perceptual filters, I might perceive your actions as being uh, uh, aggressive, negative. Which will then cause me to act a different way because then I'll feel afraid. I'll, 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 I feel I need to push back and, and so on and so forth. So a, a lot of it is is what in psychology they call the self fulfilling prophecy, right? Self fulfilling prophecy is basically, uh, and it's not magic. This, this is actually well documented. The, the 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 fact that that we what we fear the most, we we engage in behaviors that then somehow bring about the things that we fear the most. Right, and and that's one of the the the, the, the key things I think uh, that that I learned uh, in terms of the philosophy and the definition uh, of what negotiation and martial arts is about. That that it's about self mastery. It's about learning to manage yourself so that when you interact with the world, you interact with it cleanly, as cleanly as possible. I mean, perhaps you know, hundred percent clean is not possible, but as cleanly as possible, so that you don't actually create the realities that you are dreading. And at the same time, being able to, for you to just go, well, hold on, I, I, I'm secure in myself. I, I have my skills. I understand that. And I don't actually have to use those skills. But if I had to use those skills, I could. Right? Mm. So, so that's one, one of the parallels uh, that, that, uh, that, that at least at a fundamental point, uh, I, I, I sort of had an insight about. Right? Mm. Now, I'm going to shut up there for a moment just in case you, you, you want to sort of jump in or if there's any, uh, any other questions. Oh, we are getting more and more questions from the audience, uh, which means the topic, uh, the topic that we are currently discussing is uh, very close to, uh, to the hearts of, uh, of uh, many of our, of our listeners at the moment. Um, I, wonder, I was wondering about uh, when you said uh, uh, learning about ourselves, yes, learning that the key, <clears throat> that the key to, uh, to conquering our fears is, uh, uh, is getting to know ourselves and that plays a, a huge role uh, both for conflict resolution and uh, and um, and for martial arts uh, and I was wondering you know when you said it it reminded me of uh, kung fu panda right uh, oh, where, the secret, <laughs> where the secret ingredient secret sauce to uh, uh, to Paul Ping's success ultimate success despite you know his clumsiness his uh, kind of carefree type of a character uh, was he himself? Have you watched this movie? Do you know this movie? Are you are you kidding me? So so I got I got to tell you right. Okay, you really have to shut me in. So when the movie first came out, this was many years ago now. I think it was in twenty eleven. Might have been even earlier than that. Uh, I, I watched it three times in forty eight hours, and and my wife and I watched it together. And uh, and 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 that's the only time. That's the only movie we've ever sort of watched uh, uh, three times in forty-eight hours. Right? The, the cinemas loved us. Right? The the, the lady who was selling us the tickets. When you're here, you're back again. Yeah, we love it. Right? And they said, "Isn't it because of your children?" No, we have no children. We are the kids. We we loved it. Um, and 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 so Kung Fu Panda was actually, um, to my mind, groundbreaking. Right? Uh, in in various ways, but um, in Kung Fu Panda was was a very deep movie. Um, and and I know it's animation and it's for kids and, and all of that, but but there's more than that. Uh, Kung Fu Panda for uh, at that point in time, a film made by the West, okay, spoke very deeply to a lot of the philosophy of of martial arts as well as as sort of, a, sort of Chinese values, Asian values, Asia, an Asian way of thinking, right? And of course, we all know Asia is a big place, so that's a big generalization right there. 
Um, but but the incident that you're talking about, the secret sauce, right? Which which everybody was you know sort of fighting very hard to sort of get the the, the scroll, the dragon to be the dragon warrior, and all of that. Um, you know that that scene when when he finally got the scroll and he opened it up and turned it upside down and he, he said, "Wait, hang on, it's empty," right? Uh, but it was a reflective surface, as, as, as some of our, our listeners will remember. Uh, that that really that's the secret sauce. The secret sauce is you, mm. right? And and that that was the difference between Poe and Tai Long, which is the the protagonist, right? Uh, which at the end of the day, Poe realized that the strength was in himself and managed to to master himself, as yes. it were. Right and 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 so that that was that was that was I think a, a groundbreaking moment. I mean, a, a, as a teacher I, I, of you know of students, what in whatever subject, I, I would say that's deep. Right, recognize that that the only person that makes a real difference is that person in that reflection, mm-hmm. yourself, and you master yes. that. You know, uh, you make it happen. Right? Yes, uh, exactly. And, and so I I, lo- I love that message. <laughs> and uh, yes, uh, um, I was also um, all, still also a big fan of uh, of um, of Kung Fu Panda and uh, and Paul uh, Ping. I was wondering, you know, uh, uh, we run negotiation competitions as well, right? Uh, yeah. And uh, we noticed uh, we looked back at um, you know fifteen, sixteen, no, seventeen, something like that, absurd long time uh, of running these competitions, and uh, we looked at what were the teams winning them, yeah. And uh, when we looked at uh, what they managed to do really well, were two things at the same time: is uh, they were uh, they, they they managed to create a good relationship with their partners, yeah? and yeah. at the same time combine it with uh, with a convincing substantive result, a yeah, substantive outcome. And at that point, I called this effect the panda bear effect. Uh, you know, so, sort of uh, uh, in honor of uh, Puping, yes. Uh, uh, which means, um, uh, which means, you know, um, sort of the nice, clumsy, cute, kind facade, uh, right? Uh, front end inter- with which uh, the world is interacting. But at the same time, the secret ingredient, secret sauce, meaning, you know, uh, uh, knowing the negotiation, uh, negotiation techniques and methods, uh, and knowing when to apply them at the right time. Yes. Uh, so I was wondering, uh, I was wondering, uh, you know, what uh, what is your um, uh, impression of the panda bear effect have you encountered this uh, in your negotiations or among among your students uh, how do you uh, how do you view this um i mean it's the first time i've heard you know, heard it quite this way the panda bear effect i kind of like it i hope you don't mind if i steal it from time to time um uh, the i i think the, the reality of it is that uh we 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 create we create whatever you know we we do through our behaviors, right? And I know that sounds stupid, but 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 bear with me, um, panda bear with me. And and but the idea the idea being that actually when you negotiate, uh, and even when you're practicing martial arts, if if your attitude, if your approach is you know, I'm going to be aggressive, I'm going to be big, and I'm going to do that, you you are simply inviting uh, pushback. It, yes. it's, it's natural, right? It, it's, it's part of the amygdala attack, right? Okay, I either fight or flight. And when you push me, I either run away or I'm going to push back. And, and it's, it's a very common, uh, uh, common response, right? Uh, and, and so, so a lot, and, and you know, sometimes people think that to get what they want, they need to shout, they need to slam the table, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but, but fundamentally, uh, in negotiation, if I'm curious, genuinely, if I'm likable okay like a panda bear and who doesn't love panda? they're so cute right uh, I, I can't do the cute but hopefully i'm likable right and and the whole the whole idea being that actually um, you give people a reason to want to work with you to trust you right uh and 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 to be willing and vulnerable enough to share some of their deepest, darkest concerns and needs, because they don't feel like they need, you know they need to protect themselves against you, and and to me that 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 means that actually it allows you to explore far more value than if you went around going well I'm bigger and stronger than you and I'm going to you know beat you into submission right now interestingly enough in in, in the martial arts that that's that's true too 
I, I don't want to go around advertising that I know martial arts, right? So, so I've, I've literally had people look at me and say, yeah, you don't look like you can punch your way out of a wet paper bag. And, and, and my response when I hear that is, well, you're absolutely right. Because I, I've, no, I've no need to, 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 to fight with them. I don't, I don't feel the need to prove it. Yes, uh, right. thank you so much, yeah. Joel, for sharing this. Uh, coming back to martial arts, uh, you mentioned in your paper uh, the word gong fu, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, which refers to a skill which can be obtained by work. And uh, you kind of generalize it also to other areas, uh, right? Including negotiation. And I was wondering, you know, we all, because you are also ed an educator, right? Professor at, uh, at the University of National University of Singapore. Um, and uh, I was wondering, um, uh, how do you uh, how do you uh, lead your students uh, towards mastery, both in terms of in terms of martial arts and in terms of negotiation? Oh, oh dear. Do do we have till tomorrow? Uh, so, <laughs> um, okay. So, so first, first we, we take a, a, a look at the term kung fu. Kung, kung fu usually is associated with martial arts, but it it, it is an, in, in in Chinese. It basically means uh, a, a skill attained through through hard work. So you could be a kung fu master in martial arts, okay, or you could be a kung fu master in calligraphy, or kung fu master in cooking, for example. So 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 uh, people who are masters in their fields have kung fu, and, and kung fu essentially is a far more generic term than just in relation to martial arts, right? Um, but but the name itself then gives us some indication about, about how people learn it, right? So, so there are a number of principles involved, obviously, uh, but one, one principle, of course, is, is, is start off with the foundational, okay? You, you need to start off with, uh, I think the, 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 the common term in, in, in English is walk before you run, right? So, so th there's, there's always a lot of, uh, when, when I teach negotiation, for example, there'll be people that always say, what if this, what if that, you know, what if they come in here with the AK-47 or whatever? And I'm going, I go, you know, you know, take it easy, chill, chill out, right? Uh, let, let's, let's just work with the basics first, because if you can't do the basics, right? If the way you stand isn't right, if the way you move isn't right, if the way you hold your hand, the way you hit isn't right, Right then, there's no point intellectually talking about all those things, and and this this is also true in negotiation. In nego negotiation, the reality must must surely be is uh, unless you can do the basic, you know, process of of negotiation, wh whichever model that you use. I use the seven elements from Harvard, but there are many other models out there. Uh, uh, you know, I I need to learn how to get it to work for me first before talking about how do I deal with a difficult negotiator? How do I deal with someone who's stubborn? How do I deal with someone who doesn't listen? Uh, how do I deal with a situation where, for example, there are 17 parties, right? Uh, uh, you, you, need, you need to build from foundation upwards towards complexity. But when your foundation is not good, what essentially happens is whatever you build on top of it is unstable, right? So, so that's one, one of the things that, that, uh, that, that I actually try to teach them, which is the skills part of it. But the skills part itself is already layered and complex. Second part about the skills is you got to practice. Uh, and and it's, 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 it's funny sometimes because I remember when I was learning martial arts, uh, my, my Sifu, my master, uh, would make me stand in a stance for an hour, for example, or, or to turn, you know, the, what we call the turning stance for an hour. Because you, you, you have to do it enough for it to get into your body member. Today, many students will, will you, know, you teach it to them, they do it for five minutes, they go, yeah, got it, move on. And I'm going, no, you don't got it, <laughs> right? But it, it's, it's, again, the same with, with teaching people negotiation. I teach people the interest-based model. I teach them how to use the seven elements. And, you know, they intellectually get it. Sometimes I wonder whether they do, but they, they say they think that they got it. They, they try it out once or twice. They say, yeah, got it, mastered it. You know, I, I, mastery is 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 a, is a long way away, right? So so I would even say, even though I, I can I, I can comfortably say I teach martial arts, uh, I'm I'm still in the process of mastering both martial arts and negotiation. I'm I'm not there yet, and and with some luck, I'll never be there, right? Because then then I'll keep my eyes open to my mind open to learning new things. So that's that's another layer of the skills that we're talking about. Um, the, the 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 other thing that we're that that I 
want to focus on is not just the skills, which are the physical things that you do, but the mindset that you must have, the frame of mind that you must have when executing those skills. And, and so, so let me give you a very quick example. Uh, I'm, I'm sure all of us listening to this, uh, you're familiar with active listening, right? We, we all know, you know what I hear you saying. And I'm sure you, we've all had this experience of talking to somebody and you can tell the lights are on, but no one's at home, right? So they're not really listening. They, they're nodding and they go, uh-huh, uh-huh, or what I hear you saying is, they, when you know they're running a program, they're not really listening to you. What, what they're really doing inside their head is they're, they're thinking about what their response is going to be, right? And so, uh, at least from, in my world, I would call that incongruence. Your, your behavior and your intent do not synchronize, right? Uh, and the, true, the same is true for martial arts. For example, if you profess to believe in using uh, a skill to overcome strength, then your body will manifest that. But if inside your mind you're still functioning from, say, a, a scarcity model, a fear model, uh, a model that somehow I must still use some form of strength, then it will actually affect, it will, it will leak out into your behaviors. right? So, so in martial arts, that happens a lot. And I usually point it out to them. I say, hang on a moment. Why, why are you thinking about using strength here? They go, I'm not thinking about using strength. I say, I can see it. Right? Now, but when we translate that over to negotiation, it's also the same. So, for example, when we talk about win-win, and, and many of us may have different definitions of win-win, but when we talk about win-win, um, in order to achieve a win-win, I, I must have a win-win mindset. I must have what we call a collaborative mindset. Right? Because if I have a positional, competitive, win-lose mindset, I can say all the words of win-win, I can engage in all the behaviors of win-win, but it will come out strange. Lights on, nobody at home. It's incongruent. Mm. So, so the biggest challenge I get in, in teaching you know, my students negotiation is to actually change their mindset. Mm. Because anybody can learn how to say the right things or do the right things. But it, once the mindset switches then the, the efficacy at which your techniques come out is so much more powerful, right? And, and this is where we say your, 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 the, the mind and the body must, must, be, must be one, must be united, right? And, 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 and so, so that congruence is a very, very key thing uh, when, when teaching martial arts and teaching negotiation, actually teaching any skill, I think. Yes. Yes. Uh, let me let me read out uh, one of the questions that we got. And thank you so much for your questions. Uh, I, I hope we'll be able to an uh, to answer uh, um, as many of them uh, as many of, uh, of them as possible. Um, so um, one of the questions comes from Japan uh, from Professor Momotaro Takamori, uh, who uh, regularly participates in our uh, negotiation uh, competitions. The question is. Various martial arts metaphors are used to, to describe and understand negotiation. For example, getting to yes uses jujitsu and judo metaphors. What and how do you think this metaphorical approach is effective? Oh, I, I, I absolutely believe in it. Um, the, the one school of thinking about how our brain works is our brain works in metaphors. Right? So... Um, What's the name of the gentleman? Anyway, he's, he's, uh, his name slips my mind at the moment. He, he, uh, he, he, he does metaphor work. He, he does about the notion of framing and, 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 and politics and, and so on and so forth. His name will come to my mind soon. Uh, but the, the idea is that our brain associates, our, our brain makes sense of the world in terms of metaphor. Sometimes we don't realize it's a metaphor, but it, it is. So one of the things that I, that I do when I teach negotiation or mediation is I tell my students, okay, complete the sentence. Negotiation is like... Right? And, and, and I ask them to come up with metaphors because it gives me an insight into how they see the world. So when someone tells me that negotiation is like war or negotiation is like poker or like negotiation is like a dance or negotiation is like chess or negotiation is like cooking, right? those represent very different ways of seeing the world. Right? When mm. we think about negotiation as war, obviously, there's a win-lose element to it. Okay? In fact, you might actually have a lose-lose element to it because you know, it, 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 people will die. Okay? And, and, and as long as you're still standing, you win. But actually, have you really won? Right? Negotiations like poker, 
you, you can imagine as a game and therefore there will be a win-lose. But it also informs how I'm going to play the game. I'm going to try to bluff, keep the cards very close to my chess, right? Uh, negotiations like chess is different. It gives you a sense that the person is a bit more strategic, big picture, disassociated, right? Now, those would be what we call win-lose metaphors, and, 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 and that's fine, right? On the other hand, if you tell me negotiations like dance, then I'm going great. Then really then a negotiation is really the process of agreeing what to dance to, what type of dance, and, and so on and so forth. Who leads? And maybe we take turns leading, for example. Right? Uh, if negotiations like cooking, then, then that's great. We have a recipe to follow, and there's, there's certain steps that we must take, and some of it is time sensitive. And, and it can be very, very delicious if, if, if we combine our resources, right? In the, in the Western world, sometimes they say the stone soup idea, right? So, so fundamentally, um, metaphors are very, very helpful. Now, uh, 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 the Japanese professor, thank you for your question, um, is, is this, when the metaphors are martial, so getting to yes says jujitsu, right? And what, what getting to yes essentially, well, actually, if I'm not wrong, uh, getting past no. Uh, the the, the jujitsu metaphor was in getting past no, if, if, if I remember correctly. And, and it was about how to deal with difficult negotiators. It was how to turn a negotiator that was being difficult, right? To use negotiation jujitsu. And the idea there was to actually use their force against them and so on and so forth, right? Um, very different from someone says that you use negotiation karate, right? Or negotiation wing chun or negotiation Tai Chi, right? Uh, there's an author called Thomas Crum. Uh, I, I believe he's, he's, still, uh, he's still alive. Tom, Tom Crum is um, uh, a black belt in Aikido. And, uh, and, and he has been teaching for many years uh, a, a mode of conflict management based on the principles of Aikido. Uh, Richard Dobson has as well. So there are a number of people that have taken Aikido and use that not just as a metaphor, but as a model for, for, for conflict resolution. Yeah. yeah. Right? So, so if, if it was up to me, I wouldn't use Jiu-Jitsu, although it's possible. I'd use Aikido. I'd use, I'd use uh, Tai Chi, for example, because a lot of that is a little bit more flowy, is a little bit more use the person's strength uh, in harmony with them, which I kind of like that more than, than Jiu-Jitsu, which sometimes involves sort of tying them up in knots and all that. Right, uh, and of course, I'm speaking from ignorance because I don't practice jujitsu. <laughs> Thank you so much, Joel, for such a deep uh, and exhaustive answer. Um, we got a couple more, a couple more questions, and I know we're sure. um, uh, we're um, uh, somehow uh, abusing our self-set time limit, but uh, I think I'm, this I'm discussion good. is so so interesting that it would be a pity to uh, to interrupt it. Um, yes, um, let me let me show a question from. Uh, from Sao Yong Chin, yes, who has uh, greeted you uh, uh, sincerely um, several times and called you Master Shifu, yes. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, what principles from Ying Chun uh, would you use in conflict resolution? Okay. Uh, so first, uh, thanks, thanks Sao Yong for the question. Uh, shout out to to my friend Sao Yong, uh, who is who is actually in Singapore. Um, there are number of number of different things, right? The, the uh, I, I've I've already said in principles Ying Chun is get your foundation right. Okay, learn to stand well, um, and and uh, give up. So let me, let me rewind this a little bit. Uh, in my school of Wing Chun, or in my family line of Wing Chun, uh, we we operate on four principles. Uh, the first principle is give up your own strength. The second principle is give up the other person's strength. The third principle is use the other person's strength, and then the fourth principle is generate your own strength. Right. And, and of course, when you, uh, when you apply that in a martial context, it means that if someone grabs me, I, 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 don't, I don't fight him. I, I give up my strength. I give up my ego, is another way of thinking about it, metaphorically. Uh, and, and then I will release their strength. So if they pull me, I, I, will, I will go with the movement. But as I go with the movement, I will use their momentum and use their strength. And then later on, if I can generate my own strength to, to overcome, overcome them. So those are, those are essentially the four principles that, that we will use in Wing Chun. 
but let's then apply that to to conflict conflict resolution right if if somebody was being aggressive with me in the context of a negotiation or, or in an altercation right um I, I think one of the things that is a is a great uh, barrier for all of us is that we feel somehow the need to fight back to push back right uh, but that's that's your ego speaking right maybe it's also your amygdala kicking in going you know i better do something otherwise i'm in trouble but but fundamentally um if if someone attacks you pushes you verbally that's all they're doing they're shouting at you sticks and stones right uh the words can't hurt you right so you i i just I, I don't let it affect my ego. I just let it wash over me. I've, I've had, and I've literally had people shouting at me uh, in different contexts, right? I keep my eye on the ball. I know what I'm trying to achieve and I let, I let that go. Then I operate the second principle, which is how do I unload their strength? How I unload their strength is essentially see their point of view, right? So in, in getting past no, we say move to their side. In Aikido, we literally move to their side. It, 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 it literally is what we do. Uh, and Wing Chun, essentially, uh, we, uh, we would say in conflict resolution, what's your perspective on that? Okay. Because if, if you understand and you tell them you understand, you explain to them through active listening and, and whatever, that you get where, where they're coming from, then they might actually be more willing to listen to you and to see your perspective. Once you get that second principle, then the third principle is then, you know, utilize their their interests, and we in negotiation we might actually say leverage, leverage on their interests, so that you get your interests as well, hmm. right? And then the last one is you move them in a direction that is helpful to you. You generate your own own force, as it were. Your own. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so there are a lot of principles from Wing Chun that we can use uh, in uh, negotiation and conflict resolution. So thank you so much for this question. Yes, uh, uh, we're slowly coming to an end. There are uh, lots of comments um, uh, which uh, uh, which uh, emphasize uh, how uh, how interesting this uh, uh, this view is. Uh, so big shout out to Stefan and. Uh, uh, and to uh, to the other Steffen, uh, uh, right, uh, from Germany and from the Netherlands. Uh, <clears throat> uh, two concluding questions, uh, Joel, if you don't mind. Uh, sure. uh, one is competitions. Yes, I've uh, outed myself that uh, we organize negotiation competitions for students and for professionals, yeah. and there are also competitions in martial arts. Yeah. Why are they there? Yeah, why do we uh, have an urge to compete? Yeah, what, did, what does it teach us and how can we use it on the path to becoming a gong fu in whatever we're doing? Okay. Um, I mean, so sometimes, sometimes I, because I, I train uh, uh, teams for negotiation competitions as well, right? And a lot of people say, what's there to compete for negotiation? Aren't you supposed to be nice and, and, and all of that? Uh, I, I think fundamentally competitions serve a particular purpose. It's a way to test our skills, whether in negotiation or in the context of martial arts, right? So, so obviously, we, let's not assume that competitions represent real life, right? So I have students who go into negotiation competitions and then they take my class and they realize that actually negotiating in the real world is quite different. When you're in competitions, there are rubrics you have to, to, to speak to and that's, that's fine. But it's still useful because you get to test the things you know. You get to test either your ability to listen, ask questions, elicit interest, create value, and, and so on and so forth. The same is true, I think, of martial arts, right? Uh, I, I, I want to know whether, you know, uh, I am good enough to deal with, say, in a, in a, in a freestyle competition with this particular person uh, or with someone else from my style but from a different school, for example or compare my form with someone else's form, how precise am I, and so on and so forth, right? Mm -hmm. Now, competition's not for everyone. So, so, for example, not everyone wants to go into a martial arts competition, that's fine, or a negotiation, that's fine. Okay, but for those who want to, it's a realization that, that it's, it's an opportunity to test yourself. It's an op opportunity to also prove yourself and to test your art. And, and that's okay, nothing wrong with that. It's also a way of getting interest in either the martial art or the competition. So for example, I, I, I encourage competitions. Why? Because it's getting a whole generation of students 
interested in and understanding that there's a different way of practicing the law, which, which from my background, because I'm in law school, right? So fundamentally then, uh, they may not know very much about it going in, but I, I guarantee you by the end of the competition, they've learned something and hopefully will continue to learn. Exactly. Right. It's those deltas and, and that we that these competitions um, um, uncover, right? Uh, the areas exactly. where we can still improve, when we can still get better. Um, ah, we have so many good questions uh, in this episode. So let's uh, let me uh, let me switch uh, switch in uh, one which seems to be uh, quite difficult. Uh, I'd say, what is the most difficult skill slash mindset to learn in martial arts and negotiation from your experience uh, for most people? To, to master, uh, to, well, if you pardon my French, to, to calm the hell down. I, I think it's, it's pretty much it. A, a lot of the time when we face conflict in, in martial arts or in negotiation, um, it, it's, it's, it's controlling, learning to control this. So um, I, I know some martial arts, and, and I, I apologize to the, the practitioners of those martial arts because I'm sure I'm misrepresenting uh, the nuance that they, they would appreciate. But from my perspective, um, when when I do Wing Chun and when I negotiate, uh, I want to be I want to be still inside. I want to be calm inside, and so that leads to two different things. The first thing is it allows me to manage the what they call the amygdala attack, right? By 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 being still inside, calm inside, uh, I'm able to see things cleanly. Uh, those of you who are familiar with uh, 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 sort of brain waves and all that, it, it moves you into what we call an alpha state. So it actually slows things down a little bit in your mind. It, the reality doesn't slow down, but in your mind, you, your ability to cope with it is better. And the metaphor I use is, is, is you are like the, in the eye of a hurricane, right? Because in the, in the eye of the hurricane, everything's very, very still, even though the world is spinning crazily around you. There's, there's chaos around you, right? And, and so as a, as, a, as a martial artist, as a negotiator, I want to be in that eye of the hurricane. I want to be as still as possible, okay? So that I can calm myself, manage myself, and respond to the world, take the right steps. Not because my, my monkey mind, my, my reptilian brain is, 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 is shouting at me, but because it is, it is probably the best strategic choice at that point in time, right? So that's one of the most challenging mindsets. It's a great question, Stefan. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, and, 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 and to me, that's, that's trying to get people to do that. We have another uh, super question. Uh, I could not resist. I was I wanted to uh, already slowly come to a conclusion, but uh, Rolf is asking, um, asking, uh, uh, quoting first of all President Roosevelt, yeah, saying, "Speak softly, but always carry a big stick." And then the question that follows is, uh, I think, a question that was uh, that was probably on many of our listeners' mind at the moment. So, to what extent would you agree that a position of strength is a precondition for negotiation and conflict resolution. Sure, sure. Rolf, thank you. Uh, actually, Sifu, Rolf, thank you for the, for the question. My, my compliments from, uh, my warmest compliments from Singapore. Uh, it's been quite a few years since we've seen each other. Um, I, I think it really depends. Okay, I'm a lawyer, right? So I'm, I'm always based on definitions. Uh, depends on what you mean by position of strength. A lot of time people think that the, the position of strength is that big stick. And in negotiation, we have this concept called the best alternative to a negotiated agreement. We call it a batna. Uh, I always joke that we call it a baseball batna. And but but the, the, the fact is 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 you you must have a batna. You must have a, uh, an alternative to what happens when the negotiation doesn't work. And I put that in my back pocket. But as a as a as a collaborative negotiator, as a negotiator, or as a, as a practitioner of the martial arts, where where I'm essentially trying to to defuse as and de-escalate conflict, I very rarely pull out that batner, that baseball batner, and wave it around. I will speak softly, I will carry that big stick, but I'm not going to wave it around until I have to. So. If, if that's what you mean by a position of strength, I absolutely agree. You need to have that position of strength. Um, some people may interpret what you just said as, oh, I've got to be a more powerful, you know, and therefore I can somehow compel the other person to say yes. I, that's not where I'm coming from. And some people would, would, would say that's absolutely right. I, I don't. Okay. Uh, from my perspective, if in negotiation you compel somebody to do something, uh, I'm not sure that you have actually built what we call sustainability 
and commitment into that deal, that, that you've not actually given them an incentive to actually stick with the deal, right? Uh, and, and the first chance that they get, or the first chance that the shoe, the, the, what they call the, the tables are turned, uh, you might actually uh, uh, be the one that's on the back foot, mm -hmm. right? So I mean, there's a heck of a lot more that we, we could talk this preferably over beer, but, but Rolf, I hope, <laughs> I hope that helps. Thank you so much, Joel. My last, very, very last question yes, is sure. uh, any great leaders, any inspirational uh, people from the field, uh, be it martial arts and or negotiation or conflict resolution that have uh, helped you become who you are today? Joel, please share them with uh, us. Oh, good God. Uh, I think in the negotiation field, uh, I, I would be remiss if I did not say uh, Roger Fisher is... Uh, it was an inspiration. It, uh, he's passed on now, but it, it's certainly an inspiration. Uh, it, he essentially did take huge steps in, in creating the field that we now call call our own, and, and, and I, so I have to uh, give him that shout out. Um, the 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 one of his students, one of the people that actually worked with Roger, uh, a dear friend of mine. Uh, he's based in uh, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, He's probably not on this, but I'll, I'll shout out to him anyway. Uh, uh, Tom Shaw uh, is is one of the finest negotiators I know. Um, also one of the finest uh, uh, trainers in negotiation I know. And and so I've, I've a, a lot of, of of who I am today as a negotiator and as a trainer negotiator, I, I attribute to him. Uh, in in martial arts, I have there there way way so many teachers uh, obviously my 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 sifus my 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 immediate teachers my grandmaster um uh, but i've also had the benefit and privilege of working with uh people in denmark uh, so shout out to uh you know uh, sifu henning sifu allen uh as well as sifu Lars, uh and and uh, uh so my JK, jkd instructors uh, my sensei aikido i mean they, they, you you are you are so uh, not patchwork, but but you you're made up of all these experiences, right? And it, it, it's it's real tough to just point to one particular thing. Uh, they they've all taught me something that's made me this. So to to all those teachers in in every subject that I've learned, uh, regardless of whether it's martial arts or negotiation, uh, thank you, right? And uh, if 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 it's if it's anything else, it's completely your fault. <laughs> thank you so much joel wow this has been a huge dose of wisdom uh thank you so much for sharing it uh joel, with us uh, let me join um let me join our listeners and viewers and uh, in thanking you for the time we initially planned only 30 hours uh, 30 minutes for our talk. 30 hours no just kidding <laughs> We probably would be able to fill 30 hours probably, easily, probably. right, when we talk about our passions. But uh, yes, thank you so much uh, for sticking around, for being with us. Uh, it's been a great, uh, it's a great conversation. I hope our viewers, our listeners uh, enjoyed it as well. And yes, uh, until the next time on the podcast on negotiation. Thank you, Professor Lee. My pleasure has been mine. Thank you for having me. Uh, thanks, everyone, for, for, for joining us. Bye. Bye-bye.